Again, it's a blessing to see every one of you here. Some of you I've only seen on Zoom for a little while, and so it's good to see your face again. And I look forward to the time that we can hug one another and have the freedom that we've had in the past. It is a privilege to stand before you on this Mother's Day and to preach once again a message to honor the women in our lives. I don't know if you've picked up on the fact that this is the fourth Sunday that I have brought a message specifically about a woman in the Bible. And that will be true again next week. The series has been entitled um, Shady Ladies in the Lineage of Jesus. But this is Mother's Day, and I am not preaching today about a shady lady. I, I am preaching about the mother of Jesus Christ. Uh, the series that we've done has been taken from Matthew chapter 1, where the lineage of Jesus is recorded. And I'm not going to read all of the, the entire passage again. I just want you to remember that we talked first about Tamar and then about Rahab last Sunday, I spoke to you about Ruth, and next Sunday, you can figure out pretty quickly, I'll be talking with you about Bathsheba. But today, I want to speak to you about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Again, lessons from the lineage of Jesus today for Mother's Day. Now, I want to point out to you uh, three things. I want to talk to you today about three lessons that we will learn. Lessons from the Shady Ladies, lessons from Mary, and then lessons for Joseph. Now that's the whole sermon. Don't leave, but, but that's, that's what I'm going to be speaking. That's a preview of where we're going today. I, I want to look back at those Shady Ladies and just sort of sum up what I've been trying to tell you uh, about the message from them. First of all, we need to understand, because of that passage in Matthew, that the Holy Spirit of God chose to list those women, that God values women. Now, Don, we might get the idea that that was Matthew who chose to list them. But remember, guys, he is riding, led, and moved, controlled by the Spirit of God. God said, write Tamar in the list. God said, write Ruth. Write, write the names of the women. Now, that's not a Jewish tradition. That would be very unusual for women to be listed. I mean, if you don't believe that, just go to the book of First Chronicles. Now, I know when you get to your Bible reading, you hate to read the Chronicles, and you never pronounce the names, right? Because you don't... Come on, be honest. You never pronounce the names. You just... You read through and you say... Or, or something, you know. When you, or who you... No, that's Swahili, I'm sorry. Who you means that person. This one, that one, this one, that one. You never pronounce the names. But Linda, they're all men. You never list the women. That is Jewish tradition. But in the first chapter of Matthew, God specifically chose to list the women that we've been talking about. 
Listen, God values women. Some people have the idea that the Bible is an anti-woman book. It's a misogynist book. You can look that word up in case you don't know what misogynist means. But that God hates women, and that's not the case. Ladies, God loves you, and God values you, and He teaches us that we need to value women, respect women, and honor women. God values women. Not only that, but that those shady ladies listed in the lineage of Jesus teach us that mothers are important and should be remembered. I hope you understand that I could preach a year, literally, I could preach a year and preach 52 sermons about the women of the Bible. God values women, and the mothers in the, in the Bible are very important. They ought to be important to us. I remember mother. I, in fact, I preached a Mother's Day sermon a long time ago about I remember mama. And I talked about the things that I remembered personally about my mother that impacted my life. I, I talked about her example of faith, her example of service to others. I think the thing that, one of the things I remember most about my mother is her Bible. Uh, Chris, that Bible just seemed so big to me, you know, as a kid. She had a big Bible. She read that Bible every day. She marked in her Bible. I have her Bible. doesn't seem so big, David, now as it did back then. But she has notes in her Bible that are precious to me because she wrote them with her own hand. And I have those notes from my mother. Listen, moms are important and should be remembered. Great mothers. The other lesson from the Shady Ladies. And I've talked about this that great mothers may come from dubious backgrounds. We, I've, I've gotten feedback from our congregation and from others that there are women out there who have been abused. There are women out there who have been disrespected, who have been hurt. And they have appreciated this series of messages emphasizing the grace of God, the healing of God available for mothers, for women, for young girls who've been abused, who've been disrespected. Just understand that background does not determine your future. God can rewrite your story and He can give you a glorious end to your story and He can still use you. Great mothers may come from dubious backgrounds. The other lesson from the Shady Ladies is the demonstration of the grace of God. That God extends grace. He extends forgiveness. He extends mercy. The grace of God is sufficient for whatever you're going through now, and the grace of God is sufficient for whatever has happened to you. Major on the grace of God. And then, 
lesson from the shady ladies. I've already said God wants to rewrite your story. He wants to write the end of your story. Turn your hurt over to Him and get your hope from Him and allow God, turn to God, follow Him, serve Him, and allow God to rewrite your story. Those are the lessons from the shady ladies. But I want you to think about the lessons from Mary. The lessons from Mary. Uh, that's, she is mentioned, of course, in verses, chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, and verses 18 through 25. One of the things that we need to think about from Mary was that Mary was no shady lady. She did not have the sordid background that Rahab had. By the way, I hope you understand that with the reading and, and with my vivid imagination, I could have said a great deal more about all of these shady ladies. And if you want some insight to that, ask Brenda. She got the long story, okay? She, she got the long version. But there's much more that I could have said about them and how God worked in their lives in spite of themselves and their situation. But let's be clear, Mary was no shady lady. In the passage of Scripture, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. She's called a virgin twice in that passage. And just in case you want to know for sure what the word means, Mary said to the angel, Gabriel, who gave her the message that she would bear the Christ child, she said to the angel, How will this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? She was a woman of virtue. Listen, God can use the shady ladies. He can turn your story around, and if you've been hurt, if you've been abused, God can use you. But I have to emphasize virtue. And there are those that God can use to the highest level because they have saved themselves preserved their virtue to be used by God. To the young men and the young women in the crowd, wait, wait until marriage. Sex is a beautiful thing within the bonds of marriage. Wait, it will be worth it. Preserve your virtue. If you've already fallen from that, Make a commitment to wait until the time is right in God's timing. Guard your testimony. God wants to use you to the best He can. And He is looking for virtuous people to use to the highest level of their ability. One of the things that we need to learn from Mary uh, as we learn lessons from her, is that she was willing to take on shame to be used of God in the way that God pres prescribed. 
says that now the birth of Jesus took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit now we just take that we read through that and say yeah heard that story 5,000 times I understand I don't know do you you do understand that not everybody got the dream from uh, that Joseph got, explaining that she was with child from the Holy Spirit. Tracy's nodding. She knows I pick on people who I know are listening. So, Tracy, she was with child out of wedlock. What do you think that meant in the neighborhood? Melody, the, Joseph said, Mary said, well, it's the child of God, the I, I've not known a man, I'm still a virgin, but I'm pregnant. And everybody says, yeah, right. You do understand that, right? She was willing to take on shame to do what God had called her to do. She said, when, the, when Gabriel gave her the message, be it unto me according to your will. She was willing to take on shame. It's better to suffer shame, folks, for the name of Jesus than to shame Him by seeking popularity or by being too politically correct. I'll just leave that right there for the sake of time today. Are you willing to stand for God, even if it brings shame and criticism from others. I'm afraid we've been too afraid of criticism and too weak to stand for the commands of Christ. Are you willing to take on shame to do what God wants you to do? Are you more willing to shame Him than to be shamed for him. One of the things, not only was she willing to take on shame, but she was destined for pain. You remember this? The, the prophecy was, the prophecy of Simeon, when they took Jesus, as was the Jewish custom, well, according to the Jewish law, they took him to the temple, and there was Simeon, an old man who to whom it had been revealed, Gale, that he would not see death until he saw the Messiah. Man, that's amazing to me. That, that's a story within a story within a story. But Simeon recognized the Christ child for who he was and said to Joseph and Mary, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, listen carefully, this child is destined to be the cause of the falling of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be rejected. Indeed, as a result of him, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Get this. And a sword will pierce your own soul as well. Understand, that's a prophecy of the crucifixion. Imagine, Anetta, Mary standing at the foot of the cross, watching her son, the son, her son, the son of God, being 
crucified. Somebody said to me one time when their child died that no parent should ever have to bury their child. Some of you in here understand that all too well. Mary was told beforehand that the sword would pierce her side. She was destined for pain. I need you to understand something. God's plan for you may not be safe. There's a lot of talk about safety today. There is no such thing as life without risk. You understand that. You took a risk when you came to church today. You took a risk when you went to Kroger yesterday. You took a risk when you stayed home the day before. Wherever you are, there is no such thing as 100% safe. Life is not safe. There's a meme out there that makes me mad every time I read it. It says something about the safest place you can be is in the will of God. And I read that, and I think about the bouts of malaria that Brenda and I had. I think of the bacterial dysentery. I think about the dead bodies on the highways. We were in Kenya in the will of God, and it was the most dangerous thing I've ever done. You think that being in the will of God will keep you safe? Read 2 Corinthians about Paul's testimony, about floggings, about shipwreck, danger from his companions, danger from... He, was in a, he lived a dangerous life in the will of God. Quit thinking that you need to seek safety and never take a risk. Step out in faith and trust God. God, because life is not safe. And the plan of God may not keep you in a safe place. Then I said that I would speak with you about lessons from the life of Joseph. I cannot leave him out, because as you saw, I highlighted his name in that, in that lineage in Matthew chapter 1. But sir, there's some lessons to learn from Joseph as well. For one thing, Joseph had a strong sense of right and wrong. He was a very ethical person. Um, I don't want to say he was a legalist, because legalists are usually perceived as being unkind. The Bible says about Joseph, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, and yet unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. She was pregnant, and he knew the child was not his. He could have had her stoned. And he was a just man. He had a strong sense of right and wrong. And so he was going to divorce her. Don't forget, that's in the Bible. 
He was going to divorce her because she had committed fornication. But he was going to do it quietly. He was a good man. He was going to do what was legal, what was righteous, but he was not going to be mean about it. Some of us need to learn that lesson. Joseph taught us you can do the right thing without being mean about it. He is a good example of both righteousness and mercy. Not only that, he teaches us because he valued what God said more than what he thought. As he considered these things, again, the divorce, putting her away privately, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Uh, two things about Joseph in this. For one thing, Joseph was sensitive to the voice of God. I know that this is Mother's Day. Some people think I ought to preach to mothers on Mother's Day. I think the way to honor mothers is to preach to husbands on Mother's Day. Come on, ladies. You, I don't give you many chances, ladies, to say amen, and you just missed it. <laughs> Joseph was sensitive to the voice of God. Husbands, sons, guys... Are you sensitive to the voice of God? Now, I know as men, we're not good about explaining our emotions. Our wives are good at explaining and talking about their emotions. See, the men got it. They, they recognize the opportunities. And ladies, let me encourage you. This is something that I teach in our mentoring process Ladies, let me encourage you to make sure that you have a same-gender friend, that you have another woman that you can talk to and that you can trust, you can confide in. Kelly, you can give that friend all your words because she can handle it. That way, when Chris comes home, he gets the bottom line, and that's what he needs. Okay? That's important. But guys, it's wrong if our wives are the spiritual leader in our homes. Your wife needs you to be, to step up and be a spirit-led husband. You need to spend enough time in the Word of God. You need to spend enough time talking to God that you recognize the voice of Jesus when you hear it. Joseph was spiritually sensitive to the voice of God. Not only that, but he was obedient to what God said. 
Now, come on, guys, don't tell me. Ladies, too, don't tell me there's never been a time that you said, well, I know that this is the right thing to do, but I'm not going to do it. I know that this is what God wants me to do, but I'm not going to do it. I did that for, I have to do the math, for about five years. And God was calling me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I ran from God. I said, I told my wife before we got married, I think God may be calling me to preach. And she was sort of like, well, is he or is he not? I don't know, but I'm not going to do it till I'm sure. The truth was, I knew. I just didn't want to do it. And let me say to you, young man, if God's calling you to the ministry, for one thing, there is a shortage, there's a dearth, there's a famine of men who are willing to surrender and preach the Word of God. And if God is calling you, give in. It'll be the best thing you've ever done. I've never regretted surrendering to the gospel ministry, but I sure have regretted a lot of times the five years that I wasted running from God. Be willing not just to hear what God has to say, but be willing to do what He says. Not only that, but Joseph was willing to sacrifice for the family that God gave him. He was willing to sacrifice for the family that God gave him. Now, his family was unique because, I mean, come on, his wife was pregnant when they got married, was pregnant with a child, the child of God, the pregnancy resulted in the seed of God being planted in her womb by the Holy Spirit. Now that is unique because I promise you it's the only time that it's ever happened. But it is an example. I, I thought about our congregation and a lot of the people over the years, friends of mine, acquaintances. There is a lot of broken homes Divorce and remarriage, a lot of families, we have mixed families of yours, mine, and ours. Does that mean that something's broken in your family and your family cannot please God? It does not. Men, you take and you honor the family that you've been given by God. It may not mean that it looks like everything that you ever thought it would be, but it is where God has placed you now, and you honor God by sacrificing your dreams, your desires, your plans. Be willing to sacrifice for the family that God has given you. And understand, being greatly used of God. I made a mistake when I said may require. Let's be honest. Being greatly used of God will require brokenness. You see, it, we could read into the situation rather than righteousness that it was pride that led Joseph to plan on divorcing 
her. Yes, it was in the law. Yes, it was what was required by the law. But there's a certain amount of pride in saying, I'm not going to do this. And yet God said very specifically, this is what I've planned. This is what I have for you. And the question then becomes, are you willing to be broken for God? Listen to me. Nobody ever got saved from their sins without being broken before God. You know what that's like? To have to admit, I'm not perfect. I have sinned. I've done wrong. And I regret every bit of it. And you repent broken before God. Listen, God cannot save you until you're willing to be broken for your sins before Him. To repent, to find forgiveness, to find cleansing, to find salvation. And I would say, that whom God would use, He must first greatly break. Hath thou no wound? Hath thou no scar? Have you come this far with no wound and no scar? Are you willing to sacrifice to be used of God? And are you willing to be broken before God. He cannot greatly use you until you stand or fall broken before Him. What is God telling you to do today? What is it that He has spoken to your heart? You know, I realize, and I hope you understand this, when I preach these messages, it's not my responsibility to make this practical to every one of you. Because I can't. There's too many of you. But I know this. Girls, when I preach the messages, I know the Spirit of God can take what I'm saying, take the Word of God, and make it fit. He can preach a sermon to you that I never could. Has He done that today? What has God said to you that you came here and really needed to hear? More than that, what are you going to do about it? Does no good, does, does no good at all to hear it if you're not going to do something about it. What is God telling you? What is He telling you to do? Will you, like Joseph, listen to His voice and obey? Because, my friend, He desperately wants to rewrite your life story. He wants to write His ending for your story. But you see, you have to make the decision to allow Him to do that. He can rewrite your story. He can rewrite your life. He can write the end that He planned from the beginning, but He gives you a choice. I want you to bow your heads right now. I'm going to pray. And I want you to be willing to ask God what it is He wants you to do. 
I'm going to ask you and your heart to surrender to Him, to give in to His will, to make the decision right now in this place, wherever you are at home, to make the decision that God wants you to make. Let Him rewrite your story. Father, I thank You for this service. I thank You for the opportunity of preaching Your Word. But Lord, I indeed... I ask you by the power of your Spirit to take what I've only been able to start and to finish that sermon in the lives of every person present. Lord, I pray that you would have your will and your way in our lives and in this place today. We will praise you for what you do in Jesus' name.